Well, we are getting very close to the launch of the Speak Lord podcast. It's kind of the third time we're doing this. We launched Speak Lord back in April 2020 and then took a break and we relaunched. I think it was around April. It was April 2021. And now we're doing it again, (laughs) but we are doing it quite different this time. I'm hoping to grow the listener base and make this a real meaningful ministry to a lot of people. Uh, But we have four weeks until then. So I encourage you to check out the updates that have been coming out on this podcast feed and be praying for the podcast as we're now a month away from this new chapter. This week on Speak Lord, we're going to be focusing on beauty. Beauty through a story of David and through the story of Hosea. And one of the most basic illustrations that shapes my spiritual outlook is what I call the beauty contest. It's been a thought growing in me for probably about two years. This thought means enough to me that if I were to sit down and write a book right now, it would be on this topic. I I think it's a perspective the world needs to hear. I'll summarize it really quick. Here's what the beauty contest means to me. God is more beautiful than anything. And Satan has challenged that truth. And temptations are simply Satan's sales pitch that we would be attracted to an inferior beauty. Everything he tempts us with is not as satisfying as God. It's not as beautiful. It doesn't give as much pleasure or joy or fulfillment, but it's packaged really well. So there's a beauty contest between Christ and Satan, and we are the judges. We make decisions every day, moment by moment, on who we think is more attractive, desirable. And then we make actions based on those judgments. So faith is an exercise of trusting that God really is more beautiful. He really is more satisfying and pleasing and comforting and rewarding than anything else. Even when in the moment we don't feel that, like the the feelings of temptation are strong or choosing the right thing doesn't sound fun at all, we know because we trust the character of our God that even if in the moment it doesn't feel more beautiful, it will eternally be far superior in so many ways that give joy and spread beauty. This concept of God being attractive and him being our treasure and our delight. It comes into my preaching and my podcast because I think it's really important. He does not coerce us with fear. He draws us with beauty. It is his kindness that draws us to repentance. God works through an attraction model, not a threat and force and coercion model. And the good thing is, there's nothing more attractive than him. And that's why he is winning the beauty contest in my heart. So the episodes I'm sharing today, they echo these thoughts. The first one is called Two Pleasing Questions. And it takes us to the story of David and Bathsheba, which is a great one to talk about beauty because David was attracted to Bathsheba's beauty. And notice in this story the theme of pleasure and displeasure. It is so relevant. So here is that message. You're listening to Speak, Lord, and I'm Ryan Rogers. I do this podcast because I love to hear God speak through the words of the Bible, and I want to share that with you. When you step back and look at all that is happening in your life, are you pleased? Pleased is a bit of a strange old term, but it's a good one. It means taking pleasure in something or being satisfied. And even though pleasure can get all twisted up in our world, 
Pleasure is a good thing. It's God's invention. He designed us to have the ultimate pleasing relationship with Him. The design is that we are pleased by Him more than anything else, and that we are pleasing to Him more than to anyone else. So I have two pleasing questions for us to consider. The first is, who are you pleasing? And the second is, who or what is pleasing you? The story of David and Bathsheba is a familiar story, and it's about pleasure. David saw Bathsheba, and he was pleased with what he saw. So he took her, a married woman, and pleased himself in adultery. She got pregnant, so David wanted to cover up his inappropriate pleasure, and he tried to get Uriah to sleep with his wife, but Uriah was loyal to his duty in battle, and he wouldn't do it. So David decided to kill him in battle. He made it look like an accident. David sinned. He was the big jerk in this story. But then it kind of seemed to all have a happy ending. We read this story in 2 Samuel chapter 11, and in verse 26 and 27 it says, When the wife of Uriah heard that Uriah, her husband, was dead, she lamented over her husband. And when the morning was over, David sent and brought her to his house, and she became his wife and bore him a son. So it kind of sounds like everyone's pleased. Bathsheba is done mourning. The people are still pleased with their king. There's no disgrace by seeing his sin. And David got what he wanted. It even seems that the army is pleased. In fact, David sent a message back to Joab saying, Do not let this matter displease you, for the sword devours now one and now another. But then there is this final line in the chapter, and it says, But the thing that David had done displeased the Lord. It's possible to fool everyone else, including ourselves, to satisfy all the questions, to please everybody. But then there's God. Who are you pleasing? Then Nathan the prophet came and he told this condemning story. He got David's emotions into it. And David said, that man is terrible. He should be killed. And then Nathan says, you are that man. David's pleasure turned to grief as he felt the conviction of his sin. See, God has a better design than for us to please ourselves. And there is something so much deeper than manipulating the circumstances to try to please the people around us. Who are you pleasing? The second question to consider is, who or what is pleasing you? David attempted to please himself with Bathsheba. He didn't need to do that. After Nathan said to David, you are that man, he said, thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, I anointed you king over Israel, and I delivered you out of the hand of Saul. See all these things God did for David? And then it continues. This is chapter 12, verse 8. And I gave you your master's house and your master's wives into your arms and gave you the house of Israel and of Judah. God gave David everything. Then God says, and if this were too little, I would add to you as much more. Why have you despised the word of the Lord to do what is evil in his sight? Did you hear what God said? I gave you everything and if it was too little, I would have given you more. God is ready to please us. When David took Bathsheba, he was showing a lack of trust that God would actually please him, that God would meet his desires for pleasure. God pours out all kinds of pleasure on our life. Then he says, 
If that's not enough, I'll give you more. We are not missing out on anything good when we say no to an earthly pleasure in order for God to please us. Who or what is pleasing you? If you want maximum pleasure without the destructive consequences, then you need to get your pleasure from God and live your life to please Him. How is God speaking to you? Who are you pleasing? And who or what is pleasing you? Speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. You can find more of Speak, Lord by searching. A second message that touches on the beauty contest is called We Become Like the Things We Love. This one's a bit long. I think it's about eight minutes. And it presents a concept that I called formation by affection. That the things that we desire actually form who we become. So if you want to become like Christ, make the object of your love the perfect character of God because we become like the thing we love. You're listening to Speak, Lord. I'm Ryan Rogers. I was reading through the book of Hosea and one of the lines stopped me and I just had to give it some serious thought. It was in chapter 9 and it was a judgment against Israel's sin for being unfaithful to God. In the last line of verse 10, I read, They became detestable like the thing they loved. It matters what we love because we become like the thing we love. So now we're going to back up a ways from this verse and get a quick glimpse at the really bad situation that Israel was in because of their poorly placed affection. Hosea was a prophet writing before the fall of Israel to Assyria. So they were going downhill. Assyria was about to wipe out the northern tribes and they would be lost to history. The main illustration that God gives through the prophet Hosea is to have him marry an unfaithful wife as an illustration of Israel's unfaithfulness to God. So the whole book of Hosea is a book of broken-hearted love. It is God's love that just keeps coming towards his people and they keep turning from it and rejecting him. So the line that stopped me was chapter 9, verse 10. But before we get to this point in the book, there's just a whole bunch of descriptions of Israel's unfaithfulness. In the verse right before this, we see a description of how bad their situation was. The text says that they were deeply corrupt as in the days of Gibeah. This is a reference back to a very dark time for Israel. The last few chapters in the book of Judges are some of the saddest most degraded descriptions of God's people in all of scripture. And this reference to Gibeah is a reference to Judges chapter 19 and 20 when this horrific event happened in Gibeah that led to a civil war in Israel. What happened was a concubine was abused all night and in the morning her master found her dead and he cut her body and sent it to the tribes of Israel. This is terrible. It's like a hard thing to even say. And then Judges chapter 19 ends by saying that those who see it would say, no such thing has been done or seen 
from the day the children of Israel came out of Egypt until now. This reference to Gibeah is a reference to an all-time moral low. When people just look at what has happened and they say, we are in such a terrible place. Here in the book of Hosea, God is saying that his people are at a very low point. And how did they get to this point? They became like the things they loved. They weren't always that way. The beginning of verse 10 says, Like grapes in the wilderness, I found Israel. That's a good thing. God found Israel in a good state. It continues, Like the first fruit on the fig tree in its season, I saw your fathers. There was a time when Israel was faithful to God. But right after that, the text says, But they came to Baal Peor and consecrated themselves to the thing of shame. This is right before the line that says, and became detestable like the thing they loved. The reference here to Baal Peor gives us another glimpse into their condition. It takes us back to the book of Numbers chapter 25. I'm going to read the first three verses. While Israel lived in Shittim, the people began to whore with the daughters of Moab. These invited the people to the sacrifices of their gods. And the people ate and bowed down to their gods. So Israel yoked herself to Baal Peor, and the anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel. When God says in Hosea that they came to Baal Peor, he's remembering a time when Israel committed adultery with the Moabite women. And they became like the thing they loved. They loved the Moabite women. And then they became like them in worshiping their gods. And that's when the text says that phrase that stopped me in my reading and became detestable like the thing they loved. How did they get so low? They loved the wrong stuff and the things they loved changed them. As I've reflected on this concept, I've given it the title Formation by affection. We are formed by the things that get our affection. There are many other biblical ways of saying this. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. One common phrase is, by beholding, we become changed. We get that from 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18, when it talks about beholding the glory of God and being changed into his image. Ellen White uses this phrase a lot. And one time when she was commenting on Psalm 115, verse 8, that says of idols, those who make them are like them, so is everyone who trusts in them. She said that it is the law of the human mind that by beholding, we become changed. It is the law of our mind. It is how we work. The thing we look at, the thing we admire, the thing we love is what we become like. I heard Pastor Craig Groeschel say it this way, your life is always moving in the direction of your strongest thoughts. So what is your treasure? What are you beholding? What are your strongest thoughts? What do you love? What is captivating your affection? That is what you're becoming. We are being formed by our affections. And here's the thing. If we aren't proud of the things we're giving our affection to and the things we're falling in love with, 
then we're not going to like the person that we're becoming. We become like the thing we love. And when we realize this, and we realize that our affections are for the wrong things, then we need Jesus to renew a right spirit within us. We need the power of God to change our affections and our appetites, to make the good look really good and the bad look really bad. When scripture calls us to love the Lord our God with all our heart and soul and mind, it calls us to that because it's appropriate. He's God and we should love him, but also because it's transforming. As we love him and desire him and cherish him and see the things that he is and want those, we are shaped into that character. And this law of the human mind works in shaping us for the bad and in shaping us for the good. What is it that you love? That is what you're becoming like. So make the object of your love the highest thing you can conceive of. Make the perfect character of God the object of your affection and worship and adoration, and we will become like the thing we love. How is God speaking to you? Speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. You can find more of Speak, Lord at PastorRyanRogers.com or by searching for Palmer SDA Church wherever you get podcasts.